welcome back to the By the Numbers podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning into uh, our new episode today. And uh, you may notice a different voice introing, introducing the podcast today. Uh, and we'd like to say that I am I am joined by fellow co-host Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well here. Um, sad that Andrew couldn't join us. He's he's abroad now, but um, ha- happy to keep the podcast going. And maybe we'll have a few other uh, co-hosts join us as as the fall goes on. But happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So our our third co-host uh, Andrew is is out of the country right now um, on a study abroad trip. So it, it'll just be Kevin and I for. For now, and we'll be hoping to bring in some more guests, maybe a new host or, or some additional people to join the podcast in the coming weeks. Uh, also hoping to build a stronger, more consistent kind of schedule for these podcasts. It's been a little bit spotty over the past couple months, uh, but we're just going to kind of get right into things. We're still ramping up a little bit into kind of big sports season, still in the NFL preseason, haven't really gotten there yet. NBA news is, is slowing down, but we do have a couple of big things, uh, and that's exactly where we're going to start today. And we've got two big news points. We'll start with um, the one that kind of affects the one breaking news that uh, was kind of pretty shocking, kind of came out of nowhere. And that's Chet Holmgren uh, with a Liz Frank injury that's going to knock him out for the season. And Kevin, just immediate reaction to kind of what happens um, when Holmgren was announced that he's going to be out for the year. Uh, It feels like the type of thing that some people predicted. Well, you know, I mean, I didn't see it coming, but some people look at his stature and, and, you know, his style of play as being an injury prone player, kind of like a Kevin Durant um, is a little bit more injury prone, how lanky he is and whatnot. And if those injury concerns were on anyone's mind at the beginning of the, of the draft, then, you know, it turns out they were right. Uh, I'm not so sure what this injury in particular means as far as, Going forward, Swan, this morning or before you were saying that this is likely to be a season ending injury, but I'm not really too familiar with the anatomy of the situation. But really, just you hate to see it. You know, guy just gets into his dream job as the NBA and and has to go out like that to to start the season. But, you know, hopefully he'll have a, a speedy recovery and we'll get to see him on the floor as soon as possible. Yeah, so to add a little bit of context to the injury, uh, so it, it seems that Holmgren broke his – it's it's kind of a – a loose Frank injury is an injury of the kind of midfoot area. He broke it during a prime game, and there's been a lot of talk about how he broke it while trying to, like, backpedal to block LeBron on, like, a transition dunk, which is just a very ambitious play to, like, have broken your foot on. Um, but a loose Frank injury, it happens a lot with football players, actually. It uh, happens midfoot it takes a long time to recover from because of the location of the injury. It's hard to put a lot of pressure on. Uh, And it's really easy to re-injure as well. So because of that, he's probably going to be out for the year. Not like OVC needed him a ton. It's it's tough to see that he won't be getting those minutes, but he was always going to have to put on weight in the locker room. And I mean, he can't do a lot of like lower body movement, I guess, but he can probably still realistically put on a lot of weight because even, you know, as an NBA player, you can't really put on weight during an NBA season because of just the the cardiovascular requirements of each game over the course of an 82 game season being on the road. So he does have the advantage of, of sitting out for the year, being able to gain, you know, just be in the presence of a professional team, get that understanding, p- potentially put on more weight too. He's just absolutely, you know, bone thin frame. Uh, and hopefully he can come into year two uh, with greater experience and the Thunder could, you know, 
waste a draft pick at like the number one. You know, they might still might end up with like the number one overall draft picks next year. Who knows? So, uh, yeah, I think the Thunder are going to be kind of in the same place they were last year. That's a great point that, you know, he, we had expectations that he was going to be, you know, there, there's a learning curve there. There's a growth curve literally. And, you know, um, through his experience, he literally needs to get, get larger. Um, and so that's a great point that this will give him, him, uh, him an opportunity to kind of grow into his, his new shoes here in the NBA. And I don't think it'll affect his, uh, trajectory as an NBA player going forward. If, you know, all things get healed up properly, which I, I assume they will. So looking forward to seeing him on the court at some point, uh, hopefully in the near future. For sure. And moving from a rookie to a veteran, uh, the other big piece of news in the NBA most recently was a report that Kevin Durant had decided to stay in Brooklyn for this year, uh, which means that he'll be returning to this team uh, despite the kind of talk about there potentially being a trade with him, him demanding a trade or press. Uh, which has pretty much kind of fueled a lot of the speculation throughout the summer. And I mean, he's returning to a Brooklyn team that could be pretty competitive this year. Cause I think what may have been lost throughout the, all of the kind of talking about Kevin Durant going to another place where he very well could have performed very well is that the Nets team is still, I mean, they, they could probably use some roster help uh, a little bit. I have to take a look at kind of everyone they bring back, but I mean, you still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And that's just, I mean, that's two of the top, you know, 20 most talented players, depending on like how you feel about Kyrie Irving, um, at, you know, different levels, peaks of their power. So, I, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's kind of hard to determine whether that's actually, like, I, I, there's a possibility that he still does get traded, I think, at some point. Uh, but for now, it does seem like he's staying. But I also think this could potentially make way for further trades because I've, I've heard that a lot of, trade business in the NBA kind of falls after it takes a big domino at the beginning to kind of set off everything else. Um, and I think Kevin Durant was a, was a big piece in that. So we might see a, a bit more business going on after this, but uh, Kevin, as, as a Celtics fan who heard that Kevin Durant might be coming that direction, what was your, what was your reaction to seeing him uh, stay in Brooklyn potentially for this year? I, I think it was the right move for Brooklyn. They have the right to do this to say, even if even if it wasn't as clean as this, but it's just like get back on the team. This is the team that you signed a contract with. That doesn't mean nothing, um, and you're playing for us. And clearly, the market wasn't what they wanted uh, for him. I'm honestly a bit relieved. I know I did say I would like him on the Celtics last podcast episode, but um, you know I. It's tough because you you look at the Celtics situation and no, you made a great point last podcast. You said how just because the Celtics were in the finals last year doesn't mean that they come into the season already a presumptive finals team. Um, There's a lot of great teams and anything can happen um, in the NBA, especially in the Eastern Conference recently. And so just because the Celtics swept the Nets in the first round of the playoffs last year doesn't mean that the same things can happen this year. I think... um, Ben Simmons is going to come back with a vengeance. And I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to stop uh, a team that has the scoring power, like uh, they do with Kyrie Irving, who's a showstopper and uh, Kevin Iran, and then Ben Simmons on the defensive end. I think they, they have the potential to really mesh well with each other. The only issue is we've yet to see if their personalities are going to continue to clash the way that they have in the culture piece. Um, 
I will believe it when, when I see it. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think that this team has championship uh, level uh, culture. And you look at the, the teams in the past few years, and it seems like that culture, um, when we talk about at least a long-lasting um, run in the playoffs, you need to have that piece. It's not just about talent. Um, but, you know, you, it's hard to deny the talent on paper. They look pretty good, so I'm not looking forward to facing them this year. Yeah, I think those are, those are some good points. I, I'm also curious to see, I, I, there's been some talk about, like some criticism of Steve Nash specifically from, there have been some rumors that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant could have, may have said things about not wanting to have Steve Nash come back for the next season. And I I don't think he did a very good, he didn't do a great job. I mean, getting swept by the Celtics is not like, it's not the, I mean, getting swept by the runner-ups isn't the worst thing in the world, but you have Kevin, like you can't be getting swept in games when you have Kevin Durant as like your best player. There's got to be something that you can add at least in the coaching side. And I, I think we look at this differently probably, you know, you go back two years to when the Nets lost that game seven to the box and one of just the craziest series in playoff history to be completely blunt. Like Kevin Durant's foot just being on the line for that three pointer. It's just to, to think about kind of the, the consequences of certain things. Um, but, you know, we'll see another iteration of this Nets team. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. It still seems a little combustible, but uh, for now, I think that's kind of it where we have the NBA rumors. There's some, some uh, a little bit of chatter about a potential Donovan Mitchell trade going as the, as the Utah Jazz blow up uh, continues to take place, but uh, I think we'll hold off on that for now until we get kind of more concrete, solid news um, in that in that avenue. So uh, now we're going to move on to kind of we, we, last week spent a lot of time on the NFL, uh, and we're going to return to that this week. NFL is coming up, I think, two weeks, I think, until the start of the season, a week from this coming Thursday, and it seems like the preseason has been taking forever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I am not a fan of the preseason. I didn't even really watch it. Honestly, it's, I think they should get rid of it altogether. Maybe have one game here or there, but uh, glad that we're, you know, approaching the, the real NFL season. Really. Yeah. So, and so last week we kind of took a, a look at all the divisions, all the teams, and now we want to take a little bit of a deeper dive for certain teams, certain players. Uh, and we're going to be looking at a couple categories of quarterbacks and, and potentially talk about uh, a specific groups of guys and, and kind of their outlooks going into the year, uh, what changes we'll give you to, we could be seeing year over year. Uh, so one thing is that we, we don't have a lot of rookie quarterbacks in this class and a lot of guys who could be making an impact from the jump, but we do have a lot of second year guys, a lot of guys who are in, very different situations. Uh, and we've, we've got six of them who I, I, I've written down here, Kevin, you, you've seen them too. Is there a certain player you want to talk about or you see that you think is specifically interesting? Uh, Mac Jones is on that list for the Patriots, but where, where would you like to start? Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about starting with Justin Fields, but, but since you mentioned Mac Jones, I'll, I'll start with him. So Mac Jones, obviously I, I think there's a lot of names to talk about in uh, second year starters here. Mac Jones, let's not forget about him. All the drama in the um, Patriots front office and whatnot has, I think, overshadowed how great of a year he really had last year. He finished first out of all the rookie QBs um, in total QBR last year. Uh, they went 10 and 7. And I think that's, 
as a rookie and you expect him to come back even better, whether or not the drama going on in the coach's office is going to hinder any of his performances yet to be determined, but um, definitely looking forward to seeing him on the field for a second go at it. Hopefully he's not getting too frustrated. Um, But moving on to Justin Fields and I can let you piggyback off of this, but um, I'm worried that he's going to be held back by the bears organization, but I just love to watch him in college. And um, I think he has the potential to be like a really great star, but the bears just aren't going to be taking care of him. They have the bottom probably three to five rosters in the entire league, in my opinion. Um, but he, he was looking pretty good in the preseason. Uh, as far as I heard, I didn't really watch many of the games, but I did hear one game. He, you know, through, through, uh, against the Browns, I think he threw three touchdown passes in a victory over them. And so looking forward to seeing, you know, that mental toughness that he seemed to always bring to Ohio state. Hopefully he'll, he'll, uh, be able to bring that to the season this year. I just don't think their roster has it. Um, but also looking forward to talking about Davis Mills a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to let you piggyback on, see if you had any comments on either of those two. Yeah, I think it's like an interesting way that we're kind of looking at it now where Mac Jones, I mean, Mac Jones had a, a really solid year last year. I mean, he, he does benefit from having, you know, the greatest coach of all time uh, in kind of, you know, just guiding him through things. And we'll see if he can make a jump this year. I, I don't, I don't know how much kind of there is to improve as much. He doesn't have as much physical upside as a lot of guys from that draft. So it's not like, there's a lot going on, but if he can, you know, really sharpen the decision-making and become kind of, you know, an elite point guard of that offense, even if he's not throwing kind of, you know, Patrick Mahomes bombs, then it's just, it's a, it's a really tough year for the AFC. Um, And it kind of, I'll I'll be interested to see how he plays against that division because uh, you've got, you've kind of, kind of got like a, a nice, a gradient of competition there where it's like the jets who are, who's Zach will get to Zach Wilson later. Uh, you have the Jets, you get the Dolphins, who are kind of a wild card, I guess. It could be good, could be bad. So I think that's middle of the road. And then you've got the Bills, who are kind of the, the toughest of the tough. So I think we're going to be able to see – you get a good uh, evaluation of how Mac Jones has improved over the offseason, just given he's going to have to play a division, where we're going to see how he performs against different levels of competition uh, throughout the season. So I think we'll get a bit of, you know, a bit of comparison there. I would say the wide receiver core in New England isn't even that good. Like, they don't have a lot of great – like separators in kind of on that as wide receiver. So, you know, hard to, it, the, the fact that he performed pretty well, I, I still don't know if the, there's like a difference between that, I, that I've heard from different places where it's like winning, winning because of a quarterback versus winning like with a quarterback or in spite of the quarterback. And I mean, you have guys like Patrick Mahomes or like Josh Allen, like the elite elite guys or even probably a little bit below that too, where they're winning because the, the quarterback is willing their team to win. Uh, whereas in other situations, I think arguably the Patriots last year were like this is where you have a quarterback who is kind of getting it done, but they're not going to be making, they're not going to be making Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to be making plays that are going to be kind of necessarily changing the games. And I can't say I watched every single Patriots game last year. So there could be kind of, you know, shining moments of this happening, but it'd be interesting to see if Mac Jones can take a, a bit of a step forward and determine in terms of kind of being able to win because of Mac Jones, like him performing, him having some breakout games to see really display some sort of um, improvement over the offseason. So that's what I think I'm interested in seeing there. 
Yeah, I just wanted to to piggyback off that point that you were just making about winning because of or versus winning in spite of. I think um, this goes right to your point. That game where they played against the Bills and Bill Belichick was like, you know what, we can win without a quarterback. We're not going to throw the ball more than two or three times or whatever, and they won the game. It was just Bill kind of being like, I know what I'm doing. Let me Let me figure it out. I think that shot his confidence i think that shot mac jones confidence as being like oh they can put anyone back here and have them hand it, hand the ball off and so i think that's a great point where it's like we're yet to we have yet to see if he can be the type of player who has that game changing ability or if it's just you know the pawn in uh bill belichick's chess match that he seems to like to play around with yeah, for sure. Uh, we that that is a good a good example of a game that I, I had forgotten about. That yeah, that was uh, certainly not a, a, a great vote of confidence. But kind of shifting over to the guy that you talked about second, Justin Fields. I mean, I, I mean, I totally agree. There's they're just not setting him up to win. And at this point, it seems like they're setting him up. I mean, they're setting up a team to where he's going to be made redundant most likely by a new quarterback because the Bears are going to end up potentially at the top of the draft next year and they could very well end up just with a new quarterback next year. So, I mean, you talked about this, I think either last week or the week before about that Ohio state like playoff game where Justin Fields is, and he's, he's got like incredible arm talent, leadership, toughness. I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan kind of holds on the ball too long. Sometimes it, it just seems like the, he's not, it, it if Justin Fields is a successful quarterback, it's not going to be with the Bears. And that's what it seems like it's looking like right now. So I think that's just a guy that you're going to have to sit on. He he might end up at another team in the future. Like, a, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is a great, great comparison, but a guy who's like kind of gets a second win with another team and is able to perform at a higher level in a, in a different situation uh, under different conditions. So that's kind of my future with him. And I also move on to Davis Mills. You mentioned him. I'm not sure. I mean, the Texans are be bad again. Their roster's bad. He kind of had some better moments than some of these other guys on here last year. I mean, I'm not saying like Davis Mills is like the guy to watch or anything, and I don't know if he's like a long term solution for anything. But uh, what what was your what what did you want to bring him up? So Davis Mills, in the last five starts of his um, of last season, had I think the second best total QBR. Um, and nine to two TV to interception rate, uh, 7.4 yards per attempt. Uh, he was looking pretty impressive, and you love to see that on the back nine of of his uh, of the season there. And so I'm I'm looking to see you know if they put the the talent around him like I think they can do with their draft picks coming up. I I say watch out for Davis Mills. I mean third round pick out of Stanford. I think that went pretty late. He, he was pretty impressive in, in college as far as I've heard. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue that streak that he seemed to have in that last, in those last five starts. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, I, I'd say that's a good argument, at least from a st- statistical side of things. I'd be interested to see if he can, he can carry that over a little bit into this season. And, you know, if he builds up a, a solid kind of cachet with this front office with this team, you know, he could be sticking around for a while just because he's, he's a young guy who can play with the new pieces that they're going to inevitably be getting uh, with draft picks in the future, especially from that Deshaun Watson trade. So they're going to be getting guys. I've, I mean, it's probably, it's probably a big prove it season for him. We'll, we'll be talking more about that later, but 
I mean, if he can, if he can prove that he has like something, if there's something there, then it doesn't hurt the Texans at all to keep him because the roster is still not very well built. Uh, but it, it, well, I, I still definitely want to see that before I, I don't believe in it. Uh, and then moving on to the two guys who I think have the most approved or not, not the most approved, but are in kind of the, the two spotlight quarterbacks in their second years. That are going to be Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance where Trevor Lawrence, I would argue had a, a bit of a year zero last year with just how badly that, yeah, that season went with Urban Meyer, which uh, just such a poor decision, but he's got a little bit more. Uh, uh, he's got a, a new quarterback Doug, or a new, new head coach and Doug Peterson, a uh, bit of a fresh start. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if he can kind of, there were some highlights last year, but a lot of lowlights for the Jags. And so uh, he's kind of got, it, it's a bit of a lower pressure situation for him because it's just, it's the Jags. They're not really aiming for anything right now. They have the time for Trey Lance situation is a bit different. And the 49ers are like a playoff team. Like they, they need to be competing now. They have a good roster and have a really good head coach, like a proven head coach for a quarterback, a solid wide receiver core, a good offensive system, and a guy who's played three full games of football in the past two and a half years. So it, it's just like he hasn't played football games. And it, it's just wild that we're in the situation where he played, you know, three or four games last year. Year before, didn't play any. And it played before in, you know, FCS. So it's just like, there's just not a lot of evidence there. And I mean, the arm talent is, you know, you can't argue against the arm talent. So we'll just see if the decision-making and kind of, he had this full off season to work with the offense with the idea that he's going to be the starting guy. And, you know, that the off, he could plug into the offense and make it what it has never been able to be under Jimmy Garoppolo, just because he has the arm for that and the athleticism for that. Or it could just be kind of a, you can see where it's going, but it's kind of just wobbling because he just doesn't have that experience yet. And you kind of, it's hard to, it's, it, I just need to see what's going to happen in the first couple of games before I make a solid conclusion about whether the 49ers can really be a contender and have that kind of really steamroll offense or going to be a little bit slower to start with a guy who hasn't played a ton of quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, uh, just this morning, we heard the news that Jimmy G is, you know, all intentions returning back with the 49ers. And to me, that's just the greatest insurance plan. It's, it's like you go to Geico for your car insurance. You go to Jimmy G for your quarterback insurance. That's a great backup plan. I love their quarterback room now because, you know, if, if something happens to Trey Lance, you have Jimmy G who's been to the Super Bowl and has led you um, two games winning against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. And so I don't know if that, you know, lights a fire under Trey Lance or if it does the opposite and, you know, makes them feel like they're a little more secure, but I, I would hope that it gives him a sense of urgency that if you're not, if you're not the guy, you know, you're at the door right away. Cause we still have our, our franchise guy who's been leading us to have successful, playoff runs in the past few years but love having the 49ers who I, I like their team in general having multiple options at the quarterback position so it's not going to be something that holds them back like you say or that that they have to win in spite of their quarterback they're going to put out the best player on, on any given night so it'll be interesting to see where that takes them come postseason for sure and, and we will we will end on my favorite second-year quarterback, 
the world's favorite second-year quarterback, Zach Wilson, who has had a very busy offseason courting every middle-aged uh, – well, I'm not going to get into that. But he he's had a very busy, busy offseason, as we all know, um, and is injured to start the season. So I just don't – I he did not look good last year. Makai back then is going to be out. I, it's hard for someone to convince me it's not going to be a train wreck unless, like, he just shines through somehow. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much happening there, but uh, we'll we'll see what other type of action he cooks up. <laughs> oh, the, Zach Wilson yeah. will remain a legend regardless of whatever <laughs> on the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll definitely be playing some games. I'm not sure about this football game, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so having touched on those guys, uh, another group of players that um, wanted to bring up are there's a, there's a handful of quarterbacks on who have switched teams over the offseason, a lot of vet guys who are on different teams. Um, and just to name a handful of them, I think I got them. There's, is You got Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, uh, Baker and Baker Mayfield in Carolina, who just today said he can't wait to play the Browns in week one. Uh, Carson Wentz in, in Washington, Russell Wilson in Denver, Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. Uh, I'm gonna, We're going to leave Deshaun Watson at this because it's just it, it's hard to evaluate the situation right now. But to start, I think the two guys who are probably have the most to play for here are going to be at the top of the pile. Probably Matt Ryan in Indianapolis and Russell in Denver because Indianapolis has a, has a really solid roster. And if Ryan can kind of plug and play in a way that they haven't a quarterback haven't had a quarterback in the past couple of years, I mean, Indy could probably probably win the division with with ease. I don't think the Titans are going to be. It, it, it's you know it's always the year before where you think, hey, is, is are Derek. Henry's like legs going to stop working at the same rate. Uh, so I think, I think Indiana are a good position to take the division, make the playoffs. If Ryan can give him 90, 85% of kind of peak Matt Ryan, then I think it's a dangerous team. Uh, and then Russell Wilson in Denver, we will see. I don't, it, it's hard to tell whether his performance last year was a symptom of the team or a symptom of a little bit of a downturn in, in just his health and his, he's just getting older. So new team, new environment, he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback probably in the league. So in just the toughest division ever, but uh, do you have any opinions on the, on the guys that I just mentioned or any of the other guys as well? Um, one I might want to add into the mix there is Lamar Jackson and all of his contract negotiations. I feel like he has a lot to prove in, in that regard, but the one that I would outline from the ones that you listed with Russell Wilson, I think is going to be, um, it's going to be a big year for him as far as proving was it the Seahawks who held him back and they won, like you were saying earlier in, or they won because of Russell Wilson earlier in, in his career. And they were losing because of the coaching or because of the lack of talent on the team. And we'll get to see, Russell Wilson in, in a different uniform, which I think is going to be important for his legacy and just for us to understand what uh, type of a player he is and what he can bring to um, to a team other than the Seahawks. But I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. And it, he didn't pick an easy route because, you know, that, that schedule is going to be pretty rough. But um, besides that, Baker Mayfield and Carolina, did they uh, – did they uh, – make that because i know the nfl loves to make the most money as possible did they make that opening round against uh the browns on purpose after he left 
to, for Carolina. I, I don't know what the specific timeline is for that, but I'm kind of excited. I think I, I honestly think at this point Baker Mayfield has gone a little bit underrated, like just a little bit. Like I think he's he's way better than Sam Darnold. I think he's better, like a, a step up from Sam Darnold. And he was injured a lot of last year. He got a ton of criticism from a lot of guys in the team. And, you know, Baker, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he very well could have just like a revenge season. I mean, Carolina has a pretty good defense. Like, it's not a ton of weapons on the team, but he's like, he's talented enough to will that team to some wins that they don't deserve and just go like celebrate in some other just random dude's face in the other team. And that, at, at the Carolina, if you told me Carolina Panthers, Cleveland Browns is like a must watch game one. It, it, the first week is like yeah, absolutely no way. But I mean, I think that's just going to be, there's just going to be some, some spiciness in that game. I think it's going to be a must watch. Um, and, and two other guys that I want to propose, and, and we kind of brought this up, but two guys that we think or that I think specifically have a lot to prove are two Alabama guys uh, being Tua Tagovailoa in Miami and Jalen Hurts in our lovely city of Philadelphia. And I, it's, it's a make or break season for both of them, to be completely honest, because I think the Eagles have a stacked roster and if Jalen Hurts can you know, do a little bit more with his arm than he has the past couple of years. He has like that elite, uh, elite athleticism to kind of for an elite quarterback. He just needs to get it done a little bit better with the arm. And if he can do that, that team is going to be good. He's got a good line. That is a dangerous team. I mean, probably going to win the NFC East. Uh, and then in Miami, this is just a tough year, but the weapons on that team now, like if Tua can, I, I've heard, I've heard different pieces of analysis that, when you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, who are field stretchers and like changing the dimensions of the way a team has to play because of how fast they are. So I think this could be kind of an, a new look situation for Tua. And I mean, talk about another guy who was just very, very like an elite quarterback in college. So I, I think we haven't been able to see a ton of that yet. But if he can prove that he can bring that to the NFL, this has got to be the year for that. What do you think about those two guys, Kevin? I'll say I'm the, I'm probably the least worried about the the two Alabama quarterbacks. I think I'm very optimistic about what they can bring this season. They gotta they gotta prove it uh, when it really comes down to it. But especially like you said, Tua with all the weapons around him, and I feel like Miami's just been building. And I've been watching them build as a Patriots fan, having to play them twice a year. I've been watching them build over the past five years or so and i feel like this could be their year where they really get to explode um explosive literally from the standpoint of their speed like you said with tyree kill um but also i think to coming back after you know lots of injuries and and setbacks it's it's going to be exciting to see him and hopefully uh they won't do too much damage on the patriots end and and um but I'm very much looking forward, especially to to see what Tua can bring. I think that's I think that I, I mean, there are definitely a lot of reasons to be optimistic about those two guys. Uh, and with that, I think those are about all the points that I wanted to mention on on these guys. Kevin, are there any closing points you'd like to talk about? Any, any guys that we missed that that you want to chat about, or I think we we hit everything? I think that was a pretty good good rundown. Now it's just a matter of seeing where it, where it all ends up, and really looking forward to to Thursday night and and a week from Thursday. So for sure. I, I cannot wait as well. I feel like we've been talking about the NFL for forever and it hasn't been there, uh, but we will move on to kind of a, a closing segment here. I wanted to bring up 
kind of just a wrap up to, to hit one more sport for the day, just a little bit of a shorter episode, just talking about soccer real quick. I think we're at an interesting point um, within the soccer season because all of the club teams started their seasons a little bit earlier this year because we have the World Cup in Qatar later this year. Uh, that will be starting in early November. Therefore, teams had to start their seasons earlier because that World Cup is going to be in between their season. And there's a lot of chaos already uh, within each of the big five leagues and just kind of go over a couple of what's kind of going on within those leagues. You look at the Premier League and it's kind of a weird situation because generally you have this kind of tr- duo of Manchester City and Liverpool at the top of the league. I still think you very well have that. City has got to be favored to win, uh, just given Liverpool had a, a very slow start of the season, which they kind of bucked with a 9-0 win over Bournemouth at the weekend, which ended up getting Bournemouth's coach fired, which is absurd. Um, it, it's not worth discussing, but we have Chelsea, who's kind of had a very rough run of form over the past couple of match days, including a 3-0 loss to Leeds and a 2-1 loss to Southampton in today's match. And it seems like they, I think Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea is a bit of a a, a candidate for someone who could be kind of out of his position uh, before too long. And then uh, Arsenal and Tottenham are both having very good starts this season. Tottenham got a very undeserved point playing against Chelsea. Arsenal having one of their best starts this season they've ever had, winning all four of their first four games. I don't know if they're as good as that, but... I think they're getting there. 538, very solid predictive model. Still has City first, Liverpool second in terms of the league. That's probably where I'd have it, despite the actual table that we're seeing. Uh, moving to some other leagues, La Liga, you're going to get a two-horse race between Real Madrid, Barcelona, I think. I think it's probably going to be Real Madrid. They did sell Casemiro, who's their main holding midfielder, which I think could make them a little more leaky. Not having a guy who can kind of sweep up a lot of these offensive mistakes makes it a little makes their team more susceptible to counterattacks uh, than previously, especially because the two new midfielders or not two, the two new midfielders that they're phasing into the team, uh, Kamavinga and Chuamini, are not really out and out holding midfielders. So it, not having Casemiro there, I think is going to hurt a little bit, but Barcelona is kind of still figuring things out. They're on the verge of not being able to run the club just because they're bankrupt. And they've been selling a lot of like different revenue streams in order to just be able to register their players to play in the league. Uh, I haven't gotten around to watching them a lot this year, which I, I really want to because they have a lot of new signings. Of course, bringing on Bayern Munich's Robert Lewandowski, who scored two at the weekend and is, you know, out firing in La Liga, probably going to take um, uh, the top scorer in the league, most likely, unless it's Benzema, Real Madrid. Uh, I, that could be close. I think Real Madrid might pull away at some point. Uh, unless I, th- I think the Casemiro loss could be bigger than than people think or bigger than expected just because of the defensive role he played and how much he could clean up for how much their tactics may not may or may not be as complex as uh, coach wants it to be. Uh, Bundesliga, it's not even worth mentioning, but Bayern Munich are just out firing 15 goals in their first three games is absurd. Uh, Bruce Dorman has lost a heartbreaker. They're pretty much the only competition lost was up to one going into the 89th minute and lost the game three, two, which is, you know, just an absurd way to lose game. Uh, Bayern Munich, the only match they've drawn this year was a game where the opposing keeper broke the record for number of saves in the game, had pretty much one of the greatest performances ever in goal. And that's what it takes to just get a draw from Bayern Munich. So 
they're going to be kind of one of the favors for the Champions League this year, running away with the league. Um, Liga, same story with PSG. They're going to take the league. Don't, not a ton to add there. Um, yeah, that's about it for Liga. And then Serie A is kind of interesting. Haven't been keeping up too closely with how, like, how the title race is developing as of now. Uh, Inter Milan lost of the weekend, still kind of phasing in some new players. Uh, bringing back Lukaku is big. Um, and I, it, they're missing out on the fullbacks. No Paris this year is going to be tough. Uh, but having Lukaku back is kind of big for their goal scoring. Scored on his debut as well. The team like Napoli could be challenging this year uh, with a team. You've got a, a handful of new signings. Tangai and Dombele from, from Spurs in the midfield, uh, as well as a guy like uh, the, the, they have a new Georgian import on the wing who's kind of tearing up their team for three goals in his first three games for the first time in Napoli's history. And his name, his name is, he, he's Georgian. He has this wild name. He's already got a nickname, Faradana after Diego Maradona. So he's got you know, very high praise. And the 538 model in terms of Serie A predictions is, is very close head to head. So I think that's probably the league with the closest title race to be, to be looking at as we go through the season. Uh, but to wrap it all up, I think a lot of these leagues could be seeing some different interesting things that happen because the World Cup's in between. You're going to have injuries in the World Cup. You're going to have emotional letdowns from essentially being in the semifinals, being in the finals of the World Cup to going back to club play. So a lot of the stuff that you see now in the leagues could be very different afterwards and wanted to give a little bit of time to talking about some of these teams uh, d- during this weekly episode of the By the Numbers podcast. But with that, I think I'll be wrapping up today's episode kevin is there anything else you'd like to add at the end of our episode no thank you for that uh that great debriefing of what's going on in the soccer world i always love to to catch up on that but uh yeah that great episode and uh really looking forward to college football first the debuts this weekend and then after that nfl best time of the year absolutely we're really kicking into gear here so uh thanks everybody for tuning in thank you guys Thank mm-hmm. you.